0: So South Africa got, got sanctions for certain things, and then they, but they were secretly trading these weapons. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, it happens all the time. What, countries, what countries? were they? Tra- oh, God. I don't want to get you in trouble. I made this mistake with one guess, whereas we talked for forty minutes and no one knew what they did. Right, and I didn't set the scene. So, um, what do you do?
1: Right. So uh, Tibo Makor and I have a company called Better Business Strategies, <clears throat> and essentially what I do is I g- help business owners find the free time to be able to work on their business, or if they wanted to, to spend it with their family. And it's about getting the structures and the systems right in their business so that they actually have that free time. It's a common thing.
0: A lot of businesses don't have that time. And, you know, we were talking in other podcasts about technicians. So they t- they tend to be very competent in a certain area, but as they reach a scale or try to remove themselves from the business, they, they I guess, find challenges. So what made you, you know... Get into that, like you know. I've I've heard some stories about you being an underwater hockey player. Yeah, I don't know. Think that's the right word, but it is correct. Yes. Okay. Good. So well, let's go back. So South Africa. Yes. So you're raised in South Africa to how old?
1: Yeah. So um, I was Dutch born. Grew up. Uh, what's it, I um, uh, was born in Amsterdam, <clears throat> and uh, my parents moved to South Africa when I was a young child. So I grew up there and moved around the country when I was a young child uh, quite a bit. My dad moved around the various cities. Uh, but eventually ended up in a place called Potchefstroom, which is uh, 100 kilometers south of Johannesburg. Okay. right, And um, that's where I did my high schooling and I did my um, university degrees and got involved with underwater hockey when I was still at school. And um, I think I was probably one of the youngest players to have made the provincial side at the time. Um, so it was, it is, it is quite something to think back on actually. Um, and then, um, you know, I, uh, did my university, um, after hours. So I worked during the day and then went to study at night and still did the sport as well at a a provincial level. What were we doing for work? Um, so uh, yeah, so my first job, well, if you want to go back that far, um, the first one is being a, uh, um, a teller for a, um, retail store, a
0: teller. Yeah. So
1: I was sitting typing out the uh, numbers that people had to pay for. (laughs) What what
0: was that like with the machines back then? Because I was a checkout operator. I said checkout.
1: Well, I guess it's a checkout operator. Is is that an actual word? Correct? Yeah, Yeah. okay.
0: So what are the machines like? Are they fancy Um, or you had to put it in your
1: head? I guess they were very similar uh, to today because those were the first electronic ones that had been brought in. Oh, yeah, yeah, at at the time. So it's very similar to what you've what you've got today, um, except nowadays you just got all the scan stuff. In the old days, you had to ring up everything individually. Wow! Did you start memorising numbers like Rain Man? Uh, <laughs> just about. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's a, I remember my very first day. I, I rang up somebody's bill and it came up to a balloon number of, of some sort. And the, the guy looked at me and he said, this is impossible. It can't be right. And uh, um, then I, he bought, I gotta, can't remember how much it was. And I said, well, you know, this is all the stuff. And then we went through it. And in that list, I had made a mistake of, I think it was 11,000 rand or something like that instead of 11 rand. Some, somehow I got my my fingers twisted out. and So I wow. had to go back and... Re, re, so like remove that number and put it back in, but it was quite a complicated thing, you know. The supervisor to come in and gave me a few squ- squiggled looks. You know, oh, don't you know how to punch numbers? Yeah, wow, well, if
0: it makes you feel better, there was a a lady notorious. Her name was Josie. She's this older lady, and she was the supervisor, and she had a very high standard of packing. She came, she was, she has gone through the other side and I was like, oh, why didn't you come through my one, Josie? Because she was buying some food. She's like, because you're the grossest, most disgusting packer I've ever seen in my town. <laughs> um, but then I wanted to prove wrong. So there's actually a competition. I don't know if you had that. It's,
1: uh, yes, yes, we oh, did. did have, you... <laughs> yes, absolutely. The uh, checkout guys had had uh, competitions. I actually, on the, I think the fifth day of, of, of um, actual opening as such, um, I, I won that day because I got zero errors huh interesting because so in Palmerston
0: North they do a Regent Theatre so that there's like 200 people there you get voted in and you compete against the region and they're cheering it out then it just goes silent and you're just scanning groceries on stage right wow Uh, (laughs) uh, yeah but anyway so you did that and then you studied university. Was it accounting that you studied? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it was the accounting degree. So while I worked uh, during the day, I was at an accounting um, firm. And in those days, we still did articles uh, um, of clerkship, which is technically a, um, an apprenticeship oh, okay. to do accounting uh, as such and spent um, you know a number of years there until I got my degree. Then I thought I'd do a bit of a trip around the world, went to America for a number of months and then back to Holland for about six months. Mm and um on my return i got this nice little letter from the um south african defence force saying you called up for your 2 years of national duty mm. so i went through that uh, came out as a as a full lieutenant um mm. yeah so then you know, fortunately they thought i was good enough to be an officer mm. um uh, and actually worked on uh what's a top secret project at the time which was even even in- more interesting i guess
0: is it declassified now? Oh it's, yes, it's declassified. Oh, it's the, what's uh, the top secret operation? Uh, oh, no, it was the it. Uh, anti,
1: anti-aircraft uh, systems that uh, South okay. Africa had w- way back then. So it was a, <clears throat> so a particular
0: defence thing that they created to stop aircrafts coming in. What was so special about it? What, well, you well can't say, or we
1: you're... were we were under um, um, <laughs> uh, international uh, sanctions as such, and but it was um, in alignment with um, several countries around the world that were still open to trading with South Africa. That was the top secret part.
0: Ah, so so you so South Africa got, got sanctions for certain things, and then they but they were secretly trading these weapons.
1: <laughs> oh yeah! No, oh, it happens all the time. What all countries? The what it. countries were they? trading?
0: Oh, I don't want to get you in trouble. But yeah, you're gonna wake um, up. Uh, oh South look, I mean, I mean
1: France, Britain, um, and um, Chile, and there was one other. Can't think of it right now.
0: So they are officially not trading with you. And then so you'd they would sneak it on a boat or yep, like Yep. Yep. All of that was happening all the time. Oh dude, man, you gotta go some more inside I know you might not you want to talk about business advisory, yeah. but what what is actually you know that world like, you know, the whole industrial complex that's in um the military industrial complex that's in the USA and that sort of thing. And it, I personally find it quite hard to differentiate what's true
1: and what's not. So, um the military industrial complex is the key proponent of all wars around the world okay well, we got do you want to unpack <laughs> that? no i don't want to unpack that um <laughs> I'm getting know, that that's, that's 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 gonna tread into in, into an area that um uh, i don't know a lot of people will call me a conspiracy theorist yeah damn it okay we'll move on
0: well if, if 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 off air if everyone ever wants to ask you about it can they absolutely okay good 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 to know um so Next thing, so you, you do the, you're the lieutenant, so you, did you practice that or you just got the officer thing and then moved Well, on? no,
1: you have to go through boot camp and you have to go through officer's training course and then, oh. you know, you 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 finally get the stuff. What's that like? What's the... uh, Really tough. Yeah? Uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, the South African at the time were at war with mm. the, with, the, with the Soviets and um, the Angolan um, defense forces there. So, oh. you know, we had a border war with... Uh, um, uh angola through through southwest africa or now called namibia so um yeah don't know what did we were fighting a war yeah so did we did you oh no i wasn't placed on the border because i was on this uh um secret project um gotcha we we were we were uh, placed in a i guess safer place (laughs) yeah but you're sneaking these boats off yeah yeah Yeah, good on you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, so you, you lead that the war. I don't really know much about war and history. Um, yeah, yeah anyway. so so then um, as I was uh, uh, nearing the end of my two year military service, uh, my uh, ex my ex bosses asked me to become a partner in their firm, hmm. and um, I was thinking of going to sort like bigger business in, in Johannesburg or somewhere else, and I, I, I tossed it all up, and then I said, okay, let's let's give it a go for for a few years, and. Uh, within a year, I, I was made uh, um, the, I guess, general manager of the uh, of the business, being a partner as well. But uh, And and one of the key things that, that came out of it and which stepped me into the direction of what I'm doing right now was uh, I was given the task of uh, handling the queries from from all of the um, clients that complained about the high fees. Uh, yeah. So it was like, pff, here, here it is. I've got no training as a, as a general manager because when you learn stuff in uni, you learn nothing. Uh, seriously yeah I'm glad um, you agree but um in any way so um I had to learn the hard way and what you know because I'm the type of guy that's always curious I always wanted to understand why mm. they're complaining and so I said you know you this is uh, back in those days you get bring us a box of uh, um bank statements and you know till slips and whatever else and you want us to transform that into financial accounts oh god So, um, you know, and that all takes time. And, and, you know, we we also got to make a profit. Every business needs to make a profit. If you don't make a profit, then you uh, won't exist the next year. Yeah. It's as simple as it gets. Um, And um, so one of the uh, things that I uh, started asking specifically the business owners was, why are you complaining? And several of them said, we don't see you enough. We only see you once a year. So this is the old dynamic of... Doing accounting work, you only see your clients once a year. Mm. So I took this on board and I went to my partners then and I said, this is the dilemma that we're facing with. How about we create management accounting um, reports for our clients and we give them an option of monthly, monthly, quarterly, and half yearly um, uh, accounts and then have a management account or management discussion around all of that and see where they are in their business. Because very often what, what uh, customers do, and they still do it today, I know, some accountants struggle with it, um, the, the client just goes out and buys something and thinks that it, you know it's all above board and kosher and everything else. And you come to the end of the financial, aid, you say, why did you do it this mm. way? You should have done it this way or that way. And then you've got to try and sort out the problem. And so what I found was that uh, um, many of our um, clients love the concept. And many most of them took up the, the quarterly one. Uh, But we had several of them that took up the uh, um, bi-monthly one, and we had one, I think, that did the um, annual one. Oh, sorry, the monthly one. Mm. Um, But two things happened. A, we had happier clients. Actually, three things happened. Our cash flow got better because suddenly we were getting money on a more regular basis. And the third thing that that happened was these business owners that were suddenly getting reasonably good, I call it reasonably good business advice, reasonably because uh, to be honest accountants actually don't know the bigger picture of of, of business um, sorry accountants but I was <laughs> he <said> one it. <laughs> I was one <laughs> um, but anyway um, so the bigger uh, um, uh, picture stuff was, was was still missing out of out of everything that we delivered but the clients loved it so much that they started talking to their mates and we suddenly got an influx of uh, uh, new clients. When I got into the partnership, we were nine people. By the time that I decided to leave South Africa, um, nine years later, um, I was, uh, sorry, eight years later, we were up to 20 people. Yeah. So because of the influx of new, new customers or clients as such uh, and the way that we um, helped them, we um, grew sort of like organically. Just, just by word of mouth, we didn't do any, pardon me, uh, advertising
0: that's good I mean there's a lot of things to unpack like I'm a strong believer is you know there's cost is only a problem in the absence of value yeah and then also the being proactive instead of reactive because it's a lot easier to prevent a problem than like to prevent a problem than manage the crisis at the tail end of it yeah do you, do you actually what was it like? So you got this big book at like I just find the tech quite interesting. So how would you? So this the, here's this big pile of paper. They chuck it at you. What do you do? Do you put it on like with their computers?
1: No, no. This was all pre pre computer days. So um, <laughs> you know you'd have a ledger and you'd write out the ledgers and and, and do all the yes I know. Uh, that this this goes back a long time. Who do you send
0: it? to? So you write it
1: down. Yeah. You're like
0: this expense this amount blah blah blah, and then who 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 gets
1: that and then someone else reads that no so then i generally uh, um if i was so the way that it used to work is uh, the client would, would bring me the information i would pass it on to my junior at the at the stage and tell the junior how to how to do it up they would write up the ledgers and whatever else and um then then give me the final trial balance and would have a quick look through the trial balance and then i'd give it back to them to draft the financial statements and um, from the financial statements that's when i sit down with the client and we go through the um, issues around what they've done and what they didn't do so this is all pre pre um the monthly stuff once we got into the monthly stuff computers had had just started coming in we had still the old dos system which is very slow and anyway um goes back a long time Uh, we did progress to better computers uh, by the time that i left but it was still relatively raw yeah, you know, it wasn't a lot of it was still all done by hand did people when the
0: like i find i find the interesting part about human psychology is its tendency to repeat itself when there's new innovations so like for example people uh did against tiktok even though it's a great platform for exposure they were dead against facebook when it came out Did against the internet when the computer came out what was the
1: yeah so um <laughs> One of my uh, uh, staff ladies uh, she always did the um, um, d- um, debtors as such, and yeah. she had a special machine which you know you 've got to press many many this is all mechanical machine yeah. and you had to put in the card and pull out the card and you know once you 've got the payment paid out and you know gave you a running balance all the time When we got the first dos system of uh, running a debtor system, she wanted to run away it 's like <laughs> don 't want to touch it i don 't yeah. ever know anything about it so I had to sit down next to her and slowly but surely work her through how to work it. And um, I asked her probably about five months afterwards, I said, do you want to go back to the old machine?" She says, never. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we we cut down her work time and her physical because, you know, you've got to take a card, stick it in the machine, do the stuff, take it back. And this was just run through the system.
0: Well, there's an important thing there. I think, you know, there's a lot of proponents at the moment calling themselves change management specialists. Because it's such a strong resistance for humans to change. Yeah. Do, from an organisation like that, for an example, if they're implementing a new change, new system, trying to free themselves from the business, is there a process you go through to encourage them to get buy-in
1: from the staff? Very much so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that that becomes part of the overall package. That when I get into the coaching side of things, and actual business advisor real business advisory, it's about understanding what it is that they want to achieve. Hmm. Um, understanding the type of, I guess, system or electronic systems and or um, physical systems that they have. So if they've got a machine and it goes through a certain process, you have to understand how it works and then you can build a system around that so that there's no errors. It's the same with an electronic version. Um, To try and minimize errors, you have to get it through. But as you say, there are still some uh, old-minded ideas around things and it's about sitting down with them and and having them see how easy something can be made if they uh, um, do it the right way. Kind of like hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the majority of people, once they see how the system working, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Breaks it down. There's um a concept I talk about quite a lot. It's the idea of homeostasis. So it's normally used in chemistry. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's true in social settings as well. I find the the rate of resistance is equal to the rate of change. Yes, just about. <laughs> yeah, give or a take. Just about. Yeah. So in in psychology, they think if you want to make a change, they tell you do you do the two minute rule. So don't try and do everything in one day. Don't try and overdo it. Just do two minutes of it. Yep. And incrementally work towards it. Yeah. So is there something um, outside of you know? Okay, it sounds like you've broken it down. Is there something? further that you might do in terms of big picture like do you get emotional buy-in from everyone like everyone sits around the table you share ideas you have them be part of
1: the discovery of the system or yeah so um, before we even get into the sort of like the actual systems as such um, I usually take a business through the big picture thinking so you know the owners of the business have uh, engaged me and they said this is what they would like to see uh, over the longer term and then what I do is I uh, um, I get the whole team together and create what is called the three horizons. So this is the three-year picture, and I and I say to everybody, I want your input, and I make sure that I engage everybody because if so, some people just sit like this, um, so I make sure that then I know who their names are and I and I and I pull them up and say, come on, tell us what you want. So I get them to tell me tell me what they want to see in three years, and then I step it backwards, mm. and then once you get to the current year of what you want to achieve in the current year, then you break it down into the quarters and then from the quarters you break it down into monthly bits and then make sure that you get the buy-in through that process. When you engage the whole team, Mm. magic happens. It's just like, Oh my God. The, uh, the owners are just like, wow, never thought this was possible. Yeah. Because they, sorry, they, they always have this fixed idea around some of their employees. It's like, (laughs) you'll never (laughs) change them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I think um I think just in
0: humans in general, especially in leaders, is an avoidance of responsibility. Mm. Blaming others. And I'm a big victim, you know, it's a talent of mine that I, I, I get better at it each day. So it's all their fault, not mine. Yeah. Um so I think that's an important part is that taking responsibility, either you hired the wrong person, you didn't support them the right way, and as opposed to hey you know like I, there was a guy I was he, we were sitting around the circles, a networking event. He asked for advice. He's like, "I created this system, really great system, but the teachers aren't using it because mm. he's part of a big teaching organization." And he's like, "Yeah, like how to like he was saying they were dumb essentially, that they are too dumb to do this. So in my when I hear that, I'm like, "You created the wrong system,
1: uh, or uh, didn't do proper training,
0: or didn't yeah educate them." That's a good point too. Good point. Um, so. Tools then interesting. While we're on systems, are there common tools that you see that are quite useful? Like if a business owner wants to know about. Oh them, look,
1: I mean you know if you just talk about simple stuff, um, accounting systems zero. Um, I'm not a big fan of MYOB, but that's out there. Um, <laughs> uh, and, out there. and and you um, know there are the um, um, accounting systems which which make it easier for 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 people to use. Uh, because you know some some manufacturing businesses um, will struggle with something like zero, yeah. and something like a Credo would be a far better fit for them okay. overall as a, as a, as an accounting system. Um, but anyway, all, all of those those uh, accounting products can can help, um, depending on the size of the uh, um, um, thing. They can have an ERP system. Uh, enterprise resource um can't can't think of the last last word but in any case this is so like this encompasses a purchasing a a, um, stock control everything all in one system that makes sense yeah so so the the larger the company the more they might lean to something that's all encompassing um so so that would be one so like part of the tool the second one would be the use of systems in a, as you mentioned earlier, hiring. People need to go through a certain process. I mean, I'm str- struggling with one of my clients right now who sees recruiters as a huge expense and doesn't want to go through that process and wants to go through the mm. process of hiring. Well, he's just learned th- through through his own hiring of two people through the old method. It's cost him a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so it's about understanding that there are good people out there who can actually find you the right people to fit within your organization. Yes, it might cost you a couple of thousand know, dollars uh, um, for the uh, process, but don't forget, they have gone. They, they take on the, the liability up to a point for a certain number of months, um, that if the, if the fit doesn't work, um, they have to either repay or find somebody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, arguably, well, I would say it's the most important part of your business, and it's also the most expensive. Quite right. Um, but you know it's a valuable expense. Yeah. So if if you're just rushing, um, getting any old person in, and then how that impacts culture, it's it's I think, I think the intangible business parts of business isn't discussed much enough. Is where you know essentially you've got these, these key people either they're not motivated, they're in the wrong role, or the culture that isn't there to support them is yeah. having a, a negative impact in each yeah. way to business. Yeah. Do you see do you see common mistakes either in hiring or in the induction phase? As you say, in the first few weeks.
1: Yeah. So um, the majority of uh, uh, businesses don't have an induction phase. Yeah. Uh, the ones that I've worked with over the years. Okay. Uh, so that's one thing that I do introduce, so that the people can get uh, familiar a with the role and b with the people in the area, and and related to their uh, role. Um, I guess one of the uh, key areas um, in that whole s- setup is for business owners to understand why they created the role. A lot of them just say, oh, I need somebody to help me with this. And Mm. they haven't clearly defined it. Mm. They haven't clearly understood what the cost implementation of that would be to their business, how it would impact their um, bottom line and how you've got to fix your pricing as such to to incorporate uh, um, another person. When, you know, especially in the SME market, when uh, businesses need to hire a new staff member, the key component of that has to be to free up the time of the business owner the business owner has one key element in their business and that is to look at the bigger picture all the time if they're the type of person that just loves doing the doing you know creating something and 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 don't know they, they lose track when they have to look at the bigger picture of things then they need to find somebody that thinks like them but is a general manager and get them to run the business, mm. because it, otherwise the business will, will, will just fall apart. So it's very important that when a role gets created, it is created to free up the time of the business owner. And that's essentially where I spend a lot of my time is the design of the structure, internal structure, uh, not the structure of whether it's a company or whatever, but the internal structure of what the staffing looks like. And then creating, most importantly, the uh, communication systems between the various people. Okay. So every single project or in every single aspect needs to have a feedback loop to to the um, most important person, whether it's the owner or whether it's the boss of that division. Um, they need to know on an almost day-to-day basis or even hourly basis, depending on the type of business, um, what's going on. And uh, um, a lot of businesses fall flat in that area.
0: Hmm. So what what a what is a good example of a great communication system or process?
1: So, um, don't know if you look at a, a project as an a, as an example. A project has got a a start date. It's got an end date, and in between, you've got certain timelines that you have to meet certain things, and it's about. When you see that the timeline is not going to be um, hit on time, that communication needs to be uh, um, delivered to the project manager or the owner of the business to say, hey, we're not going to hit next week, Tuesday, and here are the reasons why. This is how I think I can solve it, because that's the important thing. When you hire people, that they can be uh, problem solvers. Mm. Here's how I think that we can solve it and still try and make it on time and then just get the buy-in from from, from the boss, I guess.
0: It's a good point. I mean, hiring people to listen to them, you know, hiring people that can think for themselves. Yep. Because, you know, I naturally fall in the untrusting, don't want to delegate phase, but I'm very aware that, you know, that bottlenecks. Mm. It's not in their best interest. It's not in my best interest. Is there how you, I imagine you come against that resistance in a business owner that may not necessarily want to outsource or might think it, there's a cost with that and that sort of thing. How do you navigate those conversations? Or
1: what do you so think? the way that I uh, p- put it to them is um, the, the the cost factor of hiring somebody it has to be taken into account and it has to be built into the into the structure of the business and the and the pricing of it. The way that I address it with a business owner is saying, "Hey, Mr. Business Owner, what what would you do with an additional five hours a week?" And it was, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll be able to go out and, and sell some more. So um, I've got a very recent uh, um, example. I had a solopreneur who had a, he's in the building industry. He had a, um, um, a single team that, that he would instruct to, you know, help do with, with, with some of the stuff. And he came to me and he said he wants to grow. And I said, well, okay, one of the most important things that you've got to do is free up your time. Because he was doing a lot of the doings, you know, Mm. nailing the panels in and whatever else. So I said, the most important thing for you is to identify what part of your role is the hardest for you to do. So, A, the physical part, and B, the writing up of quotes. So I said, let's find somebody who can do your quotes for you. Mm. Because he's already got the team. I said, we need to add in one extra person into the team to, uh, um, you know, take you off the paneling or whatever it might be that he was uh, physically involved with. His initial resistance was, oh, I can't afford it. And I said, well, let's have a look at your pricing. So we had a look at his pricing. And I said, you've got to bump it up by 15% as a minimum. Um, And he said, oh, but people, I said, you'll be surprised. No, you will will not hear a single peep. He didn't hear a single peep. Nobody said anything about the increased pricing. And then, um, because he had the extra money now, he could hire the person. Because this took a six-month period before he eventually dug his or dipped his toes into the hiring market. The result has been uh, not only a um, because he kept his pricing right as such over the year, he's had over three hundred percent increase in his profits. uh, But he's now freed up, uh, or he had freed up enough of his time to go and find more work. The work stacked up so much that he was back on doing the quoting. So he's now at this point that he has to hire the second person. Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's an, it's important thing there. I, I find, um, I've done a lot of sales training and I find what people charge is proportionate to how they view themselves.
1: Oh, mm. absolutely. Agreed.
0: Yeah. So that, that's quite an art. And then even just having someone to say, Hey, you should charge this. And then they're shaking and they like, put the price in front of them. It has an important impact on them. Do you, do you have a process for pricing the job? Do you compare it to markets? Do you just put it out there and test and measure? Or no, what? no.
1: I know what I'm worth. Um, and depending on the size of the business, I just give them a number. And if they don't accept it, it's like, oh, well. Oh, I mean more for them. Like you're helping them through it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean for them to understand how yeah, to uh, how to price their uh, business? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Whenever somebody starts a business, one of the key things that you always got to remember is that you've got to have it ready for sale at any uh, at any stage. Yeah, because you just don't know when the next um, Go Google or whatever suddenly likes your business and says, "Hey, I want to buy it off you. you." And if you don't have your structure right, your systems right, whatever, you're going to get virtually zero for it if you do decide to sell. But imagine if everything was working well and your time invested in the business is. At a minimum, let's say it's just at a sales level, but everything else underneath is working like like clockwork. An outside investor will look at this business and say, hmm, I can replace you, this is the owner, mm. as, as, as a uh, um, salesperson. I've got the system working below me. It's generating income and profits and whatever else. I'll pay you top dollar.
0: Hmm. Is it is there thing aspects in a business that make it valuable? Because you know we're in we're in the industry where you're essentially the product. So it's quite like historically how you do is you own the premises that you work in. Maybe you build a brand. Maybe you have systems and process that justify a higher cost for your business when you sell it. What what makes a business valuable in your eyes, or to make um, it perceived the, as the
1: the continued opportunity for raising revenue. Mm. So if you look at uh, um, a business uh, you know, of, of a client of mine that recently sold his business, um, he decided that you know he's had enough and, and, and he walked away. I sat down with him several years ago and I said, here's a market that you haven't fully tapped out yet. But he said, I don't want to get into that market because one client out of that had already given him so much extra money. It was just not even funny, but he didn't want to go on in that. So, so we um, structured his business in such a way that um, when he sold it now, he got top dollar for it. That owner, if he comes knocking on my door, and I know we're, we're trying to work on him to, to come and knock on my door. If he does knock on my door, there's an, there's an avenue that he may not have considered where um, there are, at last count, I think around about 400 different types of businesses in that same genre. And as I said, this 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 one client uh, brought four million dollars into my client's business over, over over, I think it was a three year period. Yeah. So if client. each one of those four hundred were tapped at some stage or other, money money think? money for jam.
0: Well, that that that's an important lesson I actually only learned in the um few last few months, where I was doing the sprayed approach, um, direct to consumer, creating content, see what happens a few years could have sped it up by focusing yeah um and there's this concept of the dream 100 so you make a list of your um have you heard of the ultimate sales machine by chet holmes it's a book um he used to work for charlie munger i can't
1: say that i have i mean i've read many sales books so um
0: essentially the what he did is he didn't get a client for four to six months and then he doubled revenue sales year on year um for three years And what he did is he he was a magazine. It was a magazine company. It was like 15th of the list and the big advertisers weren't in it. So he had a list of 2,200 potential advertisers and he found only something like 2% of them um, accounted for 95% of the ad spend. Yep. So all he did was focus on them. On them, that's correct. Yeah, so is there a way to identify your dream 100? So it was 100 of your dream clients. Um, or is there, is there the pros and cons of not doing that as an
1: approach? Like, Yeah, look, I mean, my, my coaches in the past have all said to me, niche, get down into a specific niche and, you know, just, just, just explore that niche. Um, I, I guess my, my mindset is, uh, um, I guess, partly there, but not really there. Um, I, I like dealing with different yeah, types of fun. businesses. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's just real fun to work with different types of businesses. Uh, but I guess over the last number of years, a lot of mine have been in the building trade as such. So I've, I guess, inadvertently shifted into a bit of a niche. Uh, but I still work with other businesses as, as well um, on the sidelines. I mean, there's uh, um, people in the horticulture um, industry that I'm working with and the and, uh, um, hotel brand, um, what do you call it, um, uh, bed and breakfast type stuff. And oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I like keeping my hand in, in, in a few different areas because what it does is it gives your mind thing because you never know when something can cross over to, to another one and when you go to one of your current clients and say, hey, have you considered this type of thing?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think there's an underpinning to that is, you know, what are you working for, you know, if if you can't enjoy it? You yeah. Know, yeah. Delayed pleasure. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, sometimes you've got to put your head down and hustle and suck eggs but mostly not. No. You no. can focus on what you enjoy and hire people that enjoy doing what you
1: don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a you you one of the few people that have contacted me out of the blue. Oh, yeah. Go uh, I don't know for, for for this type of thing, but even as a, as a potential client mm. for the first time about 2 weeks ago, um, a potential client which we set up a meeting for and he never turned up with. So, anyway. Um it is what uh, it happens. Yeah. Um but it was the first two times that out of the blue I've got a call. Most of them, all my other work has always been by word of mouth. Oh, yeah. It's That's not fine. sustainable in the long term, um, yeah. but it's been okay so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, the best marketing is a great product or service. Mm. There's also, you got to ask. The reality is some people have some sort of fear or trepidation about referring or don't know how or don't even know what you want. Yeah. And if you don't even tell
1: them. Yeah.
0: And I'm pretty sure that asking for a referral, so if it comes, it's cool. Yes. Uh, do you have a process for asking? Oh, or? absolutely. Yeah, well, what, what's that
1: one? Yeah, so know, um, I, I generally talk, uh, know, when I've worked with them for several months, it's like, do you feel that you've got value from me so, so far? And you um, know, generally, most people say, oh, yeah, this has been awesome. I said, so who do you know that I can add the similar value to? Mm.
0: Okay. Um, Bob, he, he's got an agricultural business. What happens after that part? What do you mean? Like, so you you say that part, and then I say, oh, maybe Bob, or I got an idea of someone. Okay,
1: so then then I would ask you the question, why do you think Bob needs my help? So it gives me the opportunity to think about where you think that his problems are. And when I do eventually do meet him, because you're going to do an introduction, um, he might tell me something different. And then in the, the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, Ryan said he's got this problem why hasn't he mentioned it in my in my interview and then i'll ask questions to try and drag it out of him gotcha and 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 the introduction is an email yeah generally email um okay. uh, that's uh, then I, um, m- most of the referrals. so i i um, am part of networking as well and um very often my my customers need some help and there are people in my networks that yeah. i know can can deliver so usually i'll just do an email introduction say hey this is so and so they need this type of help and have a chat and take it from there.
0: There's a lot of, there's a lot of smart things in that. Like the, the concept of the rain man, you know, like you, you have a network of people where you're seen as a person that provides good clients for them. And then the client comes to you and you're solving all their problems in one place, mm. as opposed to trying to clip the ticket, make money all the time, yeah. that relationship, the long term value of that relationship is more than the transactional benefit you might get.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, um, I don't, Know, when I do a referral, I don't expect any any uh, monetary re- refund. I uh, um, formats to come back to me. What I do sort like half expect is that at some stage, when they run into somebody that uh, they know, I can help. That they sort like do, give me a good word and say, hey, have a chat to T-ball. Yeah, well, maybe you're a bit more mature than me. I, I my my
0: basic I all I care about is whether they can deliver on what the client needs. Yeah, um, yeah. So,
1: so I mean, that is important. Uh, um, I did make that mistake many, many years ago where um, I thought that the person was, was up to it and I referred them to my client and it turned out to be a... That's the worst. Yeah. And so, that you know, you also take a dent in the uh, client's uh, estimation of you. Yeah. And you know, I did say, look, I'm so sorry. Um, the guy came across as really good about whatever he did and him.
0: Well, on that, what, what, what were your biggest lessons, we'll call them, slash failures? You know what I mean? <sighs> it's not like it's public or anything, don't
1: I? <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, I think for me, it was just um, learning to trust people more. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> on the face value, um, most people are actually genuinely good. You know, they really want to help. Um, there are some people out there that are just shysters and will take every opportunity that they can. And I guess in the type of environment that I grew up in South Africa, there was a lot of that where you didn't always trust everybody uh, um, straight out hmm. because of because of what was going on. Um, it, it was just built into the psyche over many, many decades. So what, what, what do you... Oh, oh, no, it's just about, you know, you never know whether you can trust the person or not because they are out to um, ah. uh, stab you in the back at some stage or other. So you, so you learn to put up some some barriers. When yeah, I yeah, when yeah. I moved to this country, in the beginning, I, I had a bit of that. Uh, nowadays, I'm a lot more trusting of people. My wife says, Argh. but I, I accept that we all have f- failures. I mean, everybody has failures. You know, I do too. Um but it's about understanding that the majority of people actually do want to do good, mm. um, and it's about ident- trying to identify those quicker than, than I trying to sort of like say everybody's bad and.
0: Yeah, I, I can relate to the narrative. I um, I I instead of because I sort of see trust as your ability to pre- foresee certain events based on the person's characteristics, and I think that's very hard to do. So what I do instead. And you still make judgments. This mm. person seems we ethical, all blah, blah, blah. But I focus more on trusting I'll be okay if it doesn't go well. Mm. And that could be protecting the client's interests, having clear communication. For me, it's about developing the emotional fortitude. If shit completely hits the fan, yep. I'm yep. good. Yep. I have a cry, yep.
1: get angry, and then we're off again. Yes. So I have a very similar view- viewpoint nowadays. Okay. Know, if, it, if it really hits uh, don't know, the the. It's a fan if you want to put it that way um the the way out of that is is for me to find the solution for my client and you know to try and build up that 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 trust again if it's something that I did <clears throat> uh, that inadvertently caused problems for, for for my client like if it was a referral that didn't work out it's about saying hey look don't worry I've got another person that I know can can actually do this work just give me that opportunity again we'll we'll, we'll get this thing sorted out yeah. Um, and because of generally the goodwill over a period of time, most clients are quite happy to to accept that and you know some of our clients have told me in the past they said, Look, not everybody's perfect, yeah, and you know you can 't always trust everybody that you that you refer on, so you know that was like a whew, thank God um but yeah. you know other people have been very it's like mm, don't know if i if I want your your referral again do do you um
0: yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Human nature is it. So, like, let's say you're referring someone, or you're thinking about it. What What's your process in your head? I already, I already don't trust them as a rule, and then work on it.
1: Well, how do you... No, no. Generally, um, so so my network I know reasonably well by now. Okay. So um, in the beginning, it was really hard to find the right type of people. Okay. Um, because you just didn't know. Uh, but one of the rules that I've learned over the years and that's part of the networking side of things is to have regular coffees and teas and whatever else with them on a regular basis and so that you can just keep on 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 top of where they are in their thinking on a lot of things and
0: yeah it makes sense like recurring meetings so what 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 would be your dream team let's say you could um uh, what's it called the the superheroes it's yeah,
1: so you know you need a um um for, for business you need a very good accountant. Okay. Or two or three accountants, because accountancy is also based on the um on the um connection. Yeah. So my clients might not connect with you as an accountant, but it might connect with Johnny <laughs> down the road. Yeah. So i I when I look at the client and I understand who they are. I won't necessarily send them to you straight away because I know what type of person you are. Yeah. And I know that Johnny might be slightly better uh, suited. You might feel aggrieved saying, oh, people, you never give me anything, but it's like, well, oh, I will find you the right person at some stage. <laughs> yeah. you know, It's, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, accountants, lawyers, okay. especially commercial lawyers are very, very important because a lot of business owners go through um, uh, transactions that they, don't even think that they think they need a lawyer. Mm. But when they talk to me and it's like, maybe you should get some legal advice on this. It's a good point. <clears throat> so so lawyers, accountants, <clears throat> recruitment? Um, uh, yes, absolutely, recruiters. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I've got a connection with, with several of them. Uh, they are not the top end because I think that most of them are just number crunchers or number pushers. Um, so the guys that I've got are genuine people that connect oh. with, with uh, uh, people and want to do the best for that client. And and so then you know you've got the and bookkeepers, bookkeepers okay very 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 uh, useful resource for most business owners because a lot of them end up doing their own accounts, mm. and if I want to free up three hours a week from them, I tell them get yourself a bookkeeper, and they say oh but that's going to cost me whatever and I say well okay let's work out what your hourly rate is actually worth
0: yeah,
1: and then it suddenly comes out to three or four hundred dollars an hour and I'm saying well you're going to be paying sixty five dollars an hour here which one is um.
0: Yeah, nah, it's fair. I mean, I I might even transfer that over to like you know if you're doing your own washing or mowing your own lawn. Like yeah, quite right. Quite level, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's I'm, also some value in it. Yeah, you, know, yeah. Yeah. you know, developing the fortitude. So, you made a good point. Like uh, building the super team, because you know I, I thought of it in a financial component. So you know you got your family lawyers, you got your accountants, you got insurance people. Um, and so you just, and then maybe you have a real estate agent.
1: Yes. So there's real estate agents, there's mortgage brokers, there's uh, um, people, um, designers as such, yeah. um, and uh, printers. And so, you know, if you've got a nice plethora of of potential really good contacts that you can trust, yeah, you just pass them on. Well,
0: that's, that's what I'm thinking now. So I'd started a new business two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, good for you. Thanks. Um, so now I'm, I'm going to build that super team because you said it. So I'll just start interviewing some good professional service people. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, what's the vision? What's the dream? What, why are you doing all this, mate? What? Oh,
1: it, it, it gives me satisfaction. Yeah. If I see a business owner take his business and increase the profits and increase the uh, staff size and increase the um, overall satisfaction and most importantly, seeing them enjoying their business again, mm. When I get started with him, I remember one um, client many, many, many years ago. I sat in in front of him like this for the for the first meeting to get this thing started. He gave me the keys. He said, "Here, you can take it away." And I said, "Hang on, it's not my business. It's your business. I'm yeah. going to help you get it restructured." And it wasn't. It was um, nine months later because they were a family group um, that that the dad finally accepted me as part of the thing. In the beginning, he didn't want me as part of it because. What did I know about this business? Mm. I said I don't know anything about your business, but I know business. Yeah. So I helped them restructure their roles. I helped them restructure a whole lot of things. Got uh, um, um, the um, uh, what's it uh, boss off the uh, financial accounts and all of that type of stuff. Got a bookkeeper, decent bookkeeper, in to to look after things. Suddenly he had so much free time. It was it wasn't even funny, and he was now able to go and talk to some of the bigger boys. In the same industry to find uh, more work, and within a year and a half, they they increased their turnover by um, a third, and um, increased their profits by a third of three hundred percent actually, because what they had done wrong was a lot of the the way that they'd done their business was costing them a lot of money. So we fixed up a lot of the internal stuff, and suddenly the bottom line looked. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh no. Didn't didn't make enough provision for income tax. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think there's an important thing. Like most industries I've been in, I've been the youngest by a few decades. And and you know, people might fall on the imposter syndrome, I gotta know this, gotta suit myself. But in actual fact, like that example, all you're really doing is asking the right questions, they have all the answers. So from that place, so let's say you're going to this business, you know, fuck all about it, but you know business. How do you, how do you go, as how do you go about um building that trust or uh showing that
1: value or yeah. So the majority of business owners know the answers. Yeah, I tease it out of them by asking questions. Yeah, so same thing. Okay. So I I I, I make sure that I understand what their bigger vision is, because you know um, a lot of them would say, oh my god, I just hate coming into work because I've got. Uh, staff to pay, I've got staff issues, I've got uh, um, problems with my customers and I have uh, don't have enough cash in the bank and whatever else. So I look at the bigger picture and I say to them, what is it that you really want? You know, you started this business and I'm, um, you know, Dutch, Dutch origin, I'm quite brutal sometimes. I say, the majority of this was created by you. Oh, what do you mean? I said, well, think about it. You're in control of every single aspect of this business. Where's your time to do anything and actually do a good job at it? Mm. And it isn't until they get that little light bulb going. Oh, oh, maybe he's got a point here. And then I then I step them back and I say, so what made you think of doing this, or what made you think of doing that? And so I, that's how I actually learn about a business.
0: Yeah, I mean that curiosity is so important. I think there's a book out of Winfluence and influence people. Yes, it talks about the the best way to be interesting is to be interested. Interested. Absolutely, it's so dead right. It's Very not easy, much so. though. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, no, but I think um, it, it's it's in my nature. It's always yeah, been that way. Um, I, I, I'm i always interested.
0: I, I I might be similar to you in the sense that I don't just look at what they're saying. I look at what they're not saying. Yes. And if what they're saying I don't relate to, but I'm interested in how they're saying it, yeah. that's how I get through yeah,
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So I always try and listen for um, stuff. So one of the most important things about this role, in comparison to what I used to be as an accountant, mm. was... I had to upskill my listening skills. You know, when you're younger, you've got all the answers straight away. It's like you know everything. And this is coming back to being being an accountant, and I've spoken to several accountants since then. You know, they all know everything straight away. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hang on, you've got to understand what the customer is really asking here. You. you know, like
0: I've dedicated a lot of my life to be a good listener. And I, each time I realize how much I suck at it, but how important the skill is. Like, because, like, you know, technically I am a good listener, but in terms of what's possible, because there's, um, there's that concept of the already always listening voice. Um, so you're thinking about how this impacts me. What should I say next? What are people thinking of me? As opposed to trusting in yourself to have the answer when the conversation stops. <laughs> like, through this whole thing, I was trying to do that. I was like, oh, well, or well, if I talk about this, no, listen. And yeah. do, do you have a process? I know this is a bit out the gate, but to, to be a better listener. What goes on in your head? Do you just bring it back
1: to them? Do you... So first and foremost, I try not to interrupt. Then I, occasionally I lose the plot and then I think, hang on, you're going down the wrong stair and try and stop them there. But over the years I've learned, let them talk. When I know it's rambling, then I stop them. I said, hang on, let's go back to where we, where we need to start off here. Um, but, it's, but it's very important that I get to understand why they want things. The why is the most important. Hmm. And once you get that why sorted out, that's when you can start building on, on a lot of things. So you know, as an example, why did you start your business two weeks ago?
0: Well, the vision is to give everyone the opportunity to live a fulfilling life. So the reason I started this business is that to be able to reach that goal, I need to have a communications company.
1: Cool. So I started that's- one. That's great. So why did
0: this not start two years ago? Well, fear and doubt. Didn't believe I could do it. Um, But actually, I was petrified of talking to people. So I did commissionally selling. So I went through steps. So why did you have that fear? Uh, Well, the underlying belief system, I suspect, is not feeling good enough or not feeling deserving of that success.
1: So why do you have that underlying feeling? Uh well, sorry, I'm taking you through the we we yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I've I've spoken about quite a lot in the podcast, but essentially there's a key moment in my development that I took to mean a lot, which essentially, you know, when I was four, um, dad had a gambling problem, mum couldn't handle it, so she left.
1: Oh, yep. That'll um, be a bit of a whack.
0: Yeah, so I was angry and couldn't understand why I thought I did something. So she came back after six months and then I was away from dad for eighteen months. So that pivotal development stage um, makes it hard for me to mm-hmm.
1: feel, you know, loved or feel worthy. Yeah. So, so think back on that, uh, um, um, you know, four-year-old child. You were going through all of these mach- machinations of feeling unloved and feeling maybe the, the, the reason for whatever the split up was at the time. You were four, What has prevented you from that age to not already take the steps to eradicate some of that thinking? Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, avoidance of responsibility, playing victim. Mm. Um, And I think I've taken massive steps, really.
1: Well, the mere fact you're sitting here is already a testament to that. (laughs) yeah
0: and 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 my process of getting through it is incrementally expressing the parts that are hard for me to express, and then getting a positive response mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm around people that love and care for me and um, and just making a conscious effort to continually do that yeah um but still
1: yeah look i i i know <laughs> I, I went down the uh, deep end uh, f- fairly quickly with you. I mean, I don't always go down that that, okay. that far with 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 clients, but it was more to to understand why you didn't start your business. A little while yeah. earlier, rather than two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Essentially, the underlying
1: thing is not believing that I could do it. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so it's the same thing in business. When business owners get stuck and frustrated, yeah. I have to step them back and understand, have them understand why they got into that stuck position. And if I, if, if we don't clear that, we'll never get to the next level. That's a good point.
0: You know, I made that mistake early on in selling training was to try and teach skills instead of the belief. Um, and it's like we're talking about with the pricing, believing that you can charge what
1: you charge. Yeah. So that was good. Why I, just asking I mean, why until it comes out? I'm, I mean, I was, I was, I was in the same boat uh, um, when I when I got into this coaching thing. Yeah. You know, I had this, this this price barrier in my mind because I stepped out of the accounting line. That if I charged, um, um, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a month. People would balk. Yeah, um, and it wasn't until my coach took me through the whole process uh, um, a year later that uh, um, I could suddenly increase my price. I was still, you know. Now it's like, this is your business. This is your problem. Here's the price. Yeah, I mean,
0: there's supreme like this brand and it's like just a bat and it's worth thousands of dollars. You know, it's 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 perception really. Mm, it is. And I used to um I used to sell. Uh, medical um, equipment help people walk oh right yep and um there's thousands of dollars and it it, yeah just really showed that my ability to explain the value and link it to their values and their vision and their why would actually be the determining factor on whether they would see the price as high or low Mm. which is quite it's quite cool but we're actually at 55 minutes.
1: Wow. I think that was quite quick, quite, quite, went quite quick.
0: Oh mate, you're a natural. So, um, l- closing remarks, uh, like a, a point that you want these businesses that need more time and then also how to find you.
1: Yeah. So, um, I think in, uh, one of the most important things that business owners need to understand it is, it's about what they want to achieve in the longer term. Yeah. All right. A lot of, The problems in their businesses, and I know they're going to probably think this is rubbish, are created by themselves. They will just blame their staff, but it's generally because they don't have the proper systems in place, and the uh, most importantly, I found um, the communication system in their business in place. Mm. Uh, I I end up spending a fair bit of time in helping understand, getting people to understand how important it is to make sure that every aspect of the communication uh, part of a system is is fully communicated. Once that's uh, in place, things things start happening and you know um, for your smaller um, businesses where business owners still do the accounting work and whatever if they outsource that to a bookkeeper, they've suddenly got 2 to 3 hours a week either to spend with their family because they might do it on a Sunday afternoon or whatever. So they suddenly got that you know to mm. uh, spend with their family or if it's uh, something that they do during the week, they've suddenly got 2 to 3 hours to go and sell more yeah. Um, so it's about understanding where they want to go, and the second thing that they need to understand is, every single business needs to be developed for sale, whether you want to sell it or not is irrespective. But something might happen in your life yeah. at some stage, where if it's ready for sale at any stage, um, you um, know, the family, or I don't know, if you unfortunately get hit by a bus. Um, the family can take that business and put it on the market and get a top dollar for it. Yeah. Whereas if uh, if it's left where you are the main person that everybody relies on to do everything, it's virtually worthless.
0: Yeah. Good point. And how to find you?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Tibor McCall, Better Business Strategies, uh, www.bbstrategies.co.nz or just tibor at nz. Cool. Right, I'll leave in the description so they can find you. Yep. Yeah. So thank you for the deep dive. Yeah, no worries, uh, Ryan. Thank you for the opportunity to have a chat. That's all right, mate. I hope uh, I answered a few of your questions. A lot of them, mate. You did well.